0: Of uh, Sinai compared. Let's stand together as we read Hebrews chapter twelve. I want to read uh, from verse uh, verse eighteen down to verse twenty nine. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter twelve, verse eighteen down to verse twenty nine, and title of the message "Shaken and Unshakable Things." Hebrews chapter twelve, verse eighteen to twenty nine. For you not come into the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken unto them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. So terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refuse him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. Now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken is of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let, uh, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, A contrast that we see here in the Bible between the law of Mount Sinai, the place of darkness and tempest and fear and quaking, and the Mount Zion and the innumerable blessings that we come into when we come to Mount Zion. pray, Father, that you'd help us to recognize the value of uh, these things to us as we we work to bring others to our, our wonderful Savior. We ask your blessing on the reading of thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's Sinai and, and uh, Mount Zion there very clear. The earthly mounts, the first one he mentions there when we uh, get into the reading there. And we, he said, you are not come to the, to the mount that might be touched. He's talking about Sinai there and describes it there as a place of law, a place of judgment. He says it's untouchable. Even a beast that touched it was to be thrust through with a dart. It's an untouchable uh, place. It's a place where the holiness of God's law came down to man. And it's a place that's burned blackness. There have been those that uh, believe they may have discovered the uh, Mount Sinai there in the Arabian desert. And they have located a mountain that's uh, the top third of it is entirely blackened. It's the only one around like it. They uh, have other evidence that seems to indicate it may have well been the place where uh, Moses received the law. Barren, dry place, a place that speaks more of death than of life it is, and it is certainly uh, significant that such a place would be chosen by God to uh, give the people the law. For the law, the purpose of the law was not to save anyone. The purpose of the law was to demonstrate how far from God all of us really are. purpose of the law was to fix that great gulf between the holiness of God and the unholiness of man. So here's Mount Sinai representing all of that, that uh, untouchable, burned and blackened and darkened uh, mountain with a tempest uh, round about. And the people said, uh, don't say anymore, Moses, don't preach anymore, don't don't give us any more of the law because we can't endure it, we can't bear it, we can't take it, we can't stand it, it's terrible to us, it's terrifying to us. And indeed, uh, for anyone in his right mind that stands before the law of God and makes that his hope of, uh, of uh, forgiveness, is, he's in a, a great deal of trouble. And so it was with these. They, they said, uh, this is a terrible, terrible thing. And here's the, <clears throat> the holy man of God, Moses, who of all the, uh, the throngs and the multitudes of Israel was likely the one who walked closest with God and who was the most careful about his uh, thoughts and his actions and his deeds the Bible tells us that he was meek above all men. No man has ever surpassed Moses in meekness, the quali- one of the qualities and characteristics that God desires in men, a man of great humility, a man of great wisdom of God. And yet, even Moses himself said of the sight, I exceedingly fear and quake. So Moses found no comfort in the law. Moses took no confidence in in his ability to keep the law. He just said, it's a mount and a place and a condition into which I find myself exceedingly fearful and quaking. Thank God we're not come to that mount. <laughs> Thank God we're not uh, preaching a gospel that requires us to be saved by the efforts of keeping of the commandments of God and the laws of God and the regulations and the rules and the stipulations and all of the uh, various interpretations of the law. Thank God we're not come to that mount. Amen. And I thank God that there's something else about the law of God that he uh, gave us in the New Testament. He tells us that if we'll learn to focus our uh, uh, attention on God and that we'll give our love to him, that if we will honor him with our life and and uh, devote ourselves to him and then if we will love our neighbors as self, he said you're going to you don't even have to memorize the law, you'll have automatically be keeping all the law of God uh, there if you do that. And so Thank God for that, but uh, I thank the Lord that we are not uh, in a position where that we are required of God in order to have hope of heaven uh, to con- to continue in every point of the law. The Bible tells us very plainly that if we could keep all the law and yet offend in one point, we're guilty of all, so, so it's already too late for you, you know, you're already standing under condemnation without Christ, and so thank the Lord for the a deliverance from Mount Sinai, and he brings us over. All, all the purpose of Sinai was was to point us uh, away from the idea that we could do anything to save and help ourselves. And so he points us to another mount. He says, you need to go to that one, Mount Zion. And so uh, now you go to Jerusalem. When you get the opportunity to go there, they're going to point out to you the area of Jerusalem that's known as Zion. There's one of the mounts, one of the, we call them hills, one of the hills there in the area of Jerusalem that they say is the, is the original, is the Mount Zion. And so uh, the one that uh, is there in Jerusalem is just a representation of the one we see here because we read that it was described as a heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, it uh, was heavenly and not earthly. So he takes the earthly Sinai and all of the uh, encumbrances of that, and then he says, I want to walk you away from that one and over to another one, over to... Mount Zion. And here is where the Christian has come. Here is where we find all the the good things that uh, we can rejoice in. There isn't anything for us to rejoice in over there on Sinai. Even today as we uh, come to that dry and barren and desert place and look to the top of that uh, treeless mount and see the black and burned remnants of uh, uh, the visitation of God upon that place, even today we couldn't say this is this is a wonderful spot for a picnic. Uh, this is a great spot to raise a family, you know. No, you, you, you get online and look at some pictures of uh, what they believe to be Sinai now, and you're going to say, yeah, no, it's not some place I'd choose as a, 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 a likely place for me to move my family and retire to. You know, it's not, not that. And, and it's not to represent that in, in our minds, uh, in, our, in our thoughts. The, the uh, condemnation of our sins is what's represented there. And the Bible tells us in Galatians that the law was not intended for us to find our way through the law to God. The law was intended as a schoolmaster to take our hand and to bring us to Christ. And so the uh, law's purpose is simply to guide us away from the hopelessness of our condemnation and to bring us to the Lord Jesus Christ, to bring us to Mount Zion, to bring us to Calvary, uh, by which means we would come to the uh, that uh, heavenly mount and so thank God for that here we see in verse 22 and uh, down through verse 24 what we are come to this mount zion under this city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem and you see we see we come to an innumerable company of angels we've been looking at angels all through the bible as we've read our bible we see them show up from the first part of genesis right on through the scriptures we see uh, the uh, the work of angels, the ministry of angels. We see them as ministering spirits. We see them as, as guardians. We see them as uh, those that uh, assist the Savior, and those that are messengers. In the Old Testament, we read of accounts where the angels carried messages to man. And so the work of angels. Thank God for the work of angels in the birth of our Savior. And we see uh, a good deal about the angelic work uh, that surrounds the birth of our Savior. And then all through the scriptures we see the ministry and the work of angels. And now finally we get to meet them <laughs> and they get to welcome us. And so we come into the presence of heavenly Zion and here's an innumerable company of angels. And they can't sing the songs of, uh, of salvation because they haven't experienced what we have. But uh, they can uh, rejoice and sing praise to God and honor Him. And we're going to get to see them honor God. We're going to get to see the example of the uh, angelic hosts honoring God, and what a sight that'll be! They'll be there welcoming us, and said, "Glad you made it, boy!" You know, uh, and uh, said, "Glad you put your trust in the right place. Come on in, and uh, let me show you around." I'm looking forward to that time, an innumerable company of angels there, and then we get to finally see the true universal church there. That's what he says. It goes on down there, is the innumerable company of angels there. And he says, we're coming to this general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Coming to this general assembly and church of the firstborn. This here is the, the only true universal church because to have church, you got to have assembly. So can't have church if you don't have assembly. So there isn't a universal church going on uh, here on earth. It's going to happen there in heaven. It's the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. The firstborn is the lord jesus christ the first begotten from the dead to die no more uh, and the the uh, the son of god the firstborn son of god he's he is god manifested he is not created he's god always but he's referred to as the first begotten the firstborn and then another place in the book of acts it says he's the first begotten from the dead to die no more he's the first one resurrected that doesn't die you know and so uh and he dies no more so he he is the, He's the reference here to the church of the firstborn, the church of Jesus Christ. And uh, certainly it is, in a sense, the church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints <laughs> because we're the saints that are gathered there, and it is going to be the Latter-day. And so, yeah, it's going to fit, you know. Uh, but uh, he doesn't take the term Mormon there. He uh, simply says the church of the firstborn. And I suppose we could put the Baptist church name up there if we wanted to. I don't know what he'll say about that. But I know everybody's going to be a Baptist then, you know. So, uh, everybody's going to be going to be uh, squared away under doctrine then. So uh, we're gathered together in that place, and we're uh, enjoying the, this uh, company, this fellowship of the saints. Uh, he says about that place. He says, "The church of the firstborn, which is written in heaven, and to God the Judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect." In that place, we're going to see. We're going to get to meet the Old Testament saints. These men justified by faith in the coming Christ who are made perfect when Jesus Christ uh, has come and sacrificed his blood and uh, offered his blood on the heavenly altar. Now these uh, Old Testament saints are made perfect. And we're going to get to meet these Old Testament saints and sit down and visit with them. Uh, Time is not going to be an issue because time is soon going to be done away with. It isn't yet here. By the time we first enter into the picture there, it's still time going on. But uh, time is not going to be an issue as far as uh, time to be able to visit with uh, all of the saints of God. Aren't you looking forward to sitting down with Moses and asking him what it was like when the, when the Red Sea parted, you know? Aren't you uh, going to ask some of the kids, did you put your hand in the walled water when you went through there? So, just to see what would happen, you know. I'm going to ask some of those questions when we get to glory. And I'm going to go to the heavenly library and check out the three-dimensional videos that they'll have there, you know, and uh, watch all those scenes. and. I say, I want to see the battle of David and Goliath as it really was, you know. And so, uh, we'll take that for you. We'll put you in the library. It'll be surround sound. You know, it'll be, you know, uh, ultimate reality and all that. And uh, we'll get to see that uh, scene there. We'll have time to get better acquainted with the Old Testament saints and the spirits of just men made perfect. I'm excited about that, too. I'm looking forward to when God perfects some of y'all, you know, and gets (laughs) the bugs out of you. I'm looking forward to that, Brother Jim. (laughs) I'm excited about that brother guy there. You know, he's got a lot of imperfections. I'm looking forward to God perfecting him. You know, yeah. miss Sarah. You know, she she was very irreverent the other day. She called me a jerk. You know, for no reason, no good reason at all. So I, I'm really looking forward to Sarah uh, getting getting made perfect. You know, so all I did was zoom past her in my truck. You know, almost hit her. But uh, but uh, you yeah, know that was that was shocking to me. I was. I was appalled, <laughs> Kirsten. Would you deal with her after services? <laughs> she's gonna be made perfect, and she's gonna be glad I'm made perfect too, and not so mean and so uh, dangerous in my driving. So, yes, we're gonna be made perfect. That'll be a great, a great thing to be part of in that day. We're we got a lot to look forward to, a lot to rejoice in there when we come to that Mount Zion. We're gonna see those saints, and we're gonna see them all made perfect along with us, and. And here we come into the very presence of our Lord. He says uh, on down there as he goes, he said, In heaven to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. We finally get to uh, actually uh, come in person and touch the hands that are scarred with the scars that our sins have put there. The only thing that is in heaven that uh, is is, uh, fixed from earth is that, you know, the scars of our Lord Jesus Christ there. The book of Isaiah tells us that he still bears those and that uh, we'll be able to see those outstretched hands and see those scars that uh, we put there and be an eternal reminder for us of the sacrifice that was made for us. We get to see him in person. Wow, that'll be great. I mean, we're uh, we're here. He's here, present with us. The Bible promises us that when we're gathered together in His house, among His people, with His Word open, that He's present with us. And I thank God for that presence. That the Spirit of God uh, is with us. That the Lord Jesus Christ is with us. But I uh, still look forward to the time where I can see Him face to face. You know, and that we can uh, feel the presence of uh, His person, not only spiritually but actually physically. You know, He talked about. Uh, the fact that his body was a body of flesh and bone. And uh, he, he said, the uh, spirit doesn't have a body of flesh and bones as you see me have. And, and he presented himself in his resurrected form to the disciples and how excited they were to have the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a, a glorified body. It was a unique body. It didn't need to go through doors. It could just, you know, go through walls. and. It could, uh, you know, uh, ascend and so on like that. So our body is going to be something after that nature. Uh, and I'm excited to be able to have that uh, contact in that sense with our Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll come to that. We'll come to our Lord Jesus Christ in person in that uh, great place. And, and uh, we'll be able to see him face to face. And then when we come to the, to the Holy Temple there, yeah, there we get uh, our tour uh, our guide is going to take us into the temple in heaven now the temple in heaven is the the real the real deal you know the one on earth was just copied from that one as a you know as a model of it and uh, even as a model of it when solomon completed it the glory of god and the light of god's presence was there can you imagine what seeing the real deal would be <laughs> come into the uh, the courtyard there and uh, come into the, the holy place and, and see that we're not restricted from going in. When you go now to Jerusalem on your visit, you're going to see the mount on which the temple was once standing, but you're not going to be able to go in because you're not a Muslim and the Muslims control the top of that mount there. And you're not going to be able to go in, uh, likely. There's Sometimes they let some, uh, uh, some visitors in from time to time, but normally not going to get even to go into the presence of that place. It's restricted. You're restricted from there. You can't go to the, uh, the mosque there which is built over the Dome of the Rock there where uh, it is said that the, uh, you know, is Mount Moriah. You won't be able to uh, enter into that and you won't be able to touch that mount because you're going to be restricted from going there. And uh, yet in, uh, in the heavenly temple, we're not going to have any such restrictions. going to enter into the holy place. And there, there's, no, there's, no, uh, there's, there's no curtain up between the holy place and the holy of holies. And we're looking right in at the very mercy seat of God, and our tour guide's going to carry us on in there, and he's going to say, "I want to show you something." We're going to go into the uh, into the presence of the holy of holies, and he says it right there in uh, verse 24: Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel, than that blood sacrifice of Abel, that animal sacrifice. Here's the blood of the sprinkling. Here's the, and you read of the sprinkling. We've talked about the Uh, the sprinkling of the blood that uh, was placed on the people and on the book, you know, uh, of God and and on the priest And and, uh, here, the blood of the sprinkling is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to get into the very presence of the mercy seat. We're going to see the very blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was offered for us. What a thing that will be. You see that blood in in 1 Peter, that blood is incorruptible blood. It didn't just, you know, disappear into the ground. Uh, God, I don't know how he did it, and I don't need to know. I just believe what he said in his book, don't you? Uh, I don't know how he uh, collected it and how he uh, took it to heaven, but the Bible makes it clear that he did, that he took his blood into the presence of God in heaven, and he offered it on the mercy seat. It's incorruptible. His uh, his, uh, incorruptible body, his glorified body, he said it was flesh and bone. We talk about uh, all the other times we see flesh and blood. We talk about flesh and blood, flesh and blood but he said this body's body, flesh, and bone, uh, his blood was someplace else. Is in the presence of God in the mercy seat in heaven and ever making an intercession for us. So thank God the Father looks at us past the blood of Jesus Christ. He doesn't see you like you really are. He sees you washed in the blood of the Lamb. And so I thank God for that. He's going to dip his vesture in that blood on his way back down the second time then and uh, we're going to we're going to get a a look at that we're going to be able to identify him uh, as he's separated from all the rest of the army of heaven by that vesture dipped in blood on the way through he's going to drag it through the blood there and and place it on and uh, come to the presence of uh, the earth and as the conquering king what a day that will be and looking forward to that so we'll get to be there and see the very blood of the eternal lamb of god that was offered for us in uh, in heaven, and there, that eternal sacrifice that never has to be repeated ever again. So we're we're thrilled with uh, the uh, the blessings of the heavenly mountain. But then he brings us back to the present in verse 25. We're thinking heavenly, we're thinking eternity, we're thinking about heaven. We're all excited about being there and uh, having all that God has for us there, being able to worship him in the fullness of his glory, but uh, now he snaps his fingers and brings us back to the present, and he says, uh, but we've got work to do here. And we're here on earth, and we're here in the, we're not in the sweet by and by, we're as someone said in the nasty now and now. <laughs> you know, so we're here in the nasty now and now, and we need to recognize where we're at and what we're up to, and so in verse 25, he brings us this admonition. He said, see that you, he's talking to Mankind, all of mankind, us and the world, he said, see that you refuse not him that speaketh. Don't refuse anything God speaks to you. Christian, don't refuse what God speaks to you through his word. Don't just say, it's uh, I'm not ready for that. I don't want that. Now I don't want to hear that. I've got, I've got other plans. Uh, don't refuse what the spirit of God is impressing upon your heart through his word. When he gives it to you, he said, see that you refuse not him that speaketh. For he said, if they escaped, which... Uh, if they escape not uh, uh, who refused him that spake on earth, and, and of course, we're talking about, uh, you know, his uh, uh, the, the law of God, the Mosaic law, and and then the, the Lord Jesus Christ and his preaching while he's on earth. If they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more uh, shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. And so um, the admonition to the world is given their better Listen up! Better pay attention. Uh, those that you know uh, pr- pretend to profess Christ, or those that profess Christ. He says, "Let's be careful that we uh, that we hear Him, that we don't uh, turn from Him, uh, that uh, we recognize that speaking from earth is one thing, but speaking from heaven is quite another." And so he gives us that admonition and brings us back to the reality of it all. The Lord speaks to us by His Word. And by the Holy Spirit of God carrying His Word to our hearts. That's the way He does it. And He's calling the world to attention, and He's calling us to give attention to His Word, and we need to, uh, we need to heed that counsel in verse uh, 25 there. We need to heed it. The voice of God, He says, Well, one day, shake all the shakeable things and leave only the unshakable things behind. So we see that in verse 26 through 29 where we read, that the voice of God is going to be the thing that shakes all the shakeable, and uh, leaves only the unshakable, the immovable. So what are those things? Think of some shaken things that you can, uh, uh, you can think of. He mentions one of them, the kingdoms of this world. There's no kingdom that rises and remains so. All kingdoms of this world are shaken. America uh, has a short uh, history one of these days, America is going to go the way uh, of all other kingdoms if the Lord tarries. And so uh, the kingdoms of this world are no place to put all your confidence in. They're going to be shaken. The world will be shaken. He said the whole world, and not only the world, but he said this time when I speak from heaven, I'm going to shake the earth and the heavens. So uh, even the heavens will be shaken. We're, you know, launching a, a craft out into, the, uh, out into the heavens. We're Landing on the moon, it's, uh, you know, been, we've, we did it 50 years ago. The Chinese are trying to get a craft on there now, I think, to crash the first one, and uh, so they're going to work on it some more. And some others have uh, tried to get something down on there. Nobody's attempted to put a man on there, uh, you know. Uh, God gave uh, uh, Americans the ingenuity to do it 50-some years ago with, with no computer any more advanced than, uh, you know, uh, one of your little smart watches today. So, so uh, it's a pretty amazing thing. Uh, that God allowed us to do that so long ago, and it hasn't been duplicated since uh, that time. But uh, that's that's uh, uh, that you know idea that uh, mankind has of well with Earth. If we mess Earth up too bad, we'll we'll start a new colonization of the Moon, or we'll go to Mars, and and we'll start all over on Mars. Well, they're going to happen. Uh, uh, the Lord says He'll shake not only the Earth but the heavens as well. So. Uh, don't put your confidence in that and what man says he can do or thinks he can do. The uh, the the world and the heavens themselves are going to be shaken. What else is shaken? Well, human wisdom. We're pretty wise. We're pretty wise uh, in our human wisdom and and uh, that. And so uh, we we think well that's uh, you know we've we got to figure it out. But human wisdom will be shaken uh, as well. It was over 30 years ago that a physicist that taught at Oregon State University uh, said that. Uh, he was dismayed at the fact that the scientific community uh, was dogmatic about uh, evolution and spoke of it as though it were fact. He said this over 30 years ago, and when he said it, of course, it was heresy in the scientific community, and he was ostracized by the scientific community, but uh, he continued on uh, there, and and I think he's still living today. He's an elderly man. I believe he's still alive today, but... um, as a physicist, as a mathematician and physicist, he just said, you talk all about, you teach evolution as though it were fact, but where is the evidence? You say there's evidence, well, show it to me, show me evidence of it, uh, show me proof of it, show us some, uh, s- something that'll take us beyond just theory. And uh, of course, n- no one at that time could, but they, uh, no one was willing to abandon the, uh, the, the framework of evolution on which they would built their entire careers and lives. But finally today, it's at the point where it's not possible anymore to be honest as a scientist and defend the theory of evolution. It's just been disproven. It's been factually disproven. And so uh, now finally, uh, the hardheads in the scientific community are coming on board one after another and recognizing the error of Darwinian evolution. It's a long time coming, you know. We we can say you've come a long way, baby, (laughs) but you've got a long way to go. Uh, you know it got a long way to go and so yet there are uh, you know there are a, a, a great uh, bulk of uh, the scientific community which continues to press for evolution not as a scientific fact but as a religion and so it is it's become to them a religion but human wisdom is demonstrated in that kind of thing and those kind of constantly changing uh, parameters for uh, what is fact and what is fiction so human wisdom, uh, things that are shaken, financial foundations are shaken. Remember the uh, accounts that, uh, of the you know of the banks that uh, collapsed in the in the recession of recent years. You remember the idea that these banks are too big to fail, but they did <laughs> you know they did, and so uh, financial foundations can be shaken to the ground. Uh, no city is safe from uh, insolvency no city is too big to reach the point of bankruptcy and certainly we've seen that happen Detroit uh, uh, other cities uh, Chicago other cities have reached the verge of bankruptcy uh, and uh, certainly no city is too big to become insolvent so that uh, financial foundations can be shaken don't put your confidence in financial foundations you got your investments and I do too and we got our bank accounts and I got our savings and we Got the hope of, uh, you know, being able to have enough for the needs as the future comes, and we all recognize the importance of investing wisely and carefully, but we, never, uh, we must never p- place our confidence in those things because it could all be gone tomorrow. We could, uh, you know, wake up, pu- pull the headline. You don't read the paper. You young people never, never saw a newspaper. I recognize that. <laughs> I pull the headlines up, but uh, you you get on your smartphone and it probably won't work because uh, uh, you know because the internet's all crashed and gone down. So so you will have to go to the newspaper, you know, and and you read in the newspaper there where uh, our currency has been devalued and uh, you know what was a dollar is now a dime, and, and uh, overnight this this kind of thing happened. Well, it never happened here, you say, but. Uh, I'm certain that's where uh, those from other countries who have it happening right now have, uh, have placed their hope and their trust. So we, we, have, uh, you know, we have wisdom and in investments. We wanna take care of those things and be careful. We wanna be wise in those areas, but uh, certainly we never need to reach the place where our confidence is there. You'll be like those who, whose business fails, and when it fails, their life is over and they, you know only choice they feel like they have is suicide. That's not that's not where it's at, you know. Uh, can you lose everything and still have faith in Christ? <laughs> you certainly can. Uh, can you lose everything and still know that there is a God in heaven who will care for you and help you through? You certainly can. Can you uh, face famine and struggle and trial and know that God in heaven is still in control? You can. Uh, so let's not put our faith in financial institutions, financial foundations, or our or our supposed financial security. Let's not do that. Let's uh, recognize that another thing can be shaken is self-confidence. We have a a culture that uh, thrives on self-confidence and the idea that, uh, you know, I can do anything if I just put my mind to it. So uh, uh, we we thrive on self-confidence, but self-confidence can be deeply shaken, can't it? You wake up one day and, uh, you know, your your strength is failing, your eyes are failing, or your health is failing. All of a sudden, that self-confidence goes out the window. But thank God there are some unshakable things, unshakable things. One's the infallible Word of God. Hey. <laughs> the only thing we have we can touch on earth that is unshakable, unchangeable, immovable. Thank God for that. Matthew 24 says it this way, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Psalm nineteen twenty seven: the testimony of the Lord is sure. Thy testimonies are very sure, he says in Psalm 93. And over and over again, we have the confidence instilled in us to trust the word, the infallible, uh, inerrant word of the living God. Thank God for that. Uh, unshakable things, the eternal kingdom of God. We're part of, we talked a little bit about that a moment ago. But in Psalm 145, it says it this way, Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. In 2 Peter 1.11, so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm glad for that abundant entrance that he ministers to us through the grace of our Lord, and he opens the door wide and, and brings us on in. You know, we first have to go through the door before we know what the path is, you know. The straight and narrow way is on the other side of the door that we enter through Christ. He's the door. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. We enter into life by Jesus Christ. We don't know anything about the path, the straight and narrow way, the the direction to the celestial city. We don't know anything about that until after we're in, see. And we're on the other side of the gate and we're in His presence and we're on the, the uh, on the walk and there there it is that the word lights our feet and the lamp uh, uh, gives us uh, the direction for our path and all of that makes sense when we're on the other side but until you enter into Christ and our uh, our through that door, the idea of the straight and narrow way is a foreign concept to us you know we, we just don't get it until we're uh, on the other side of that door. so thank God for uh, for that uh, for that great truth, the eternal kingdom of God entered through the doorway of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Well, unshakable things. There's a financial system that is unshakable, not the world's, but the Lord's. The Lord's financial system is unshakable. We see he mentions these eternal investments. He said in Matthew 6, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and, uh, moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Uh uh, Carrie was telling me this just this evening about uh, they they were out and uh, doing the cookie ministry. They visit and they take cookies to the first time visitors and stuff, and, and them back to church and whatnot, and answering questions they might have. And and there was nobody at the door. Hershey, Hershey was there. They had the cookies, you know, and and uh, nobody was at the door. Hershey waited a little while, and he, he just said, "Mom, I guess we could go in and take what we want, can't we?" So uh, so uh, Hershey's philosophy was a little mixed up about you know visitation. Uh, if you if they're not at home, go in and take what you want, you know. So. So um be careful if uh if Hershey comes visiting you be be sure you're home when when her if uh, Hershey comes to visit you uh, Candace knows a little bit about that he's come uh, you know and made her way into her house looked around for things that were good to eat and such so we we've had to talk to Hershey a little bit he's not quite understanding it on the concept so uh he, his hope was that if they weren't home he could eat the cookies that were intended for them but but that didn't work out for him either so uh so we, you know, we're not looking at it that way. God's financial system uh, says he's going to put something in place where thieves like Hershey can't break through and steal, you know. You're going to put something in place where you'll lay up treasures in heaven, uh, where moth doesn't corrupt and rust doesn't destroy it, where your treasure is, he said, uh, there will your heart be also. And so there's God's financial system, and he tells us about how that thing uh, pays dividends. He says the least the least is 30 fold and then 60 fold and then 100 fold. That's a mighty good interest rate for any investment that you place in God's financial system and the great thing about it is there's never a downturn in God's stock market, you know? There's never a bad week. There's never a surprise in God's stock market. Just the line just always goes up 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 up. So any investment that you made is still bearing dividends and any investments you make will continually bear dividends until you reach the other side and and uh, get into heaven's treasury and see your bank account see the notes that were made there it's a great it's a great financial system it's unshakable well years ago when we were building the church we hired a engineer by the name of Bruce Manning and I got uh, to be close to Bruce and we got to be good friends and and um, we uh, talked about the things of the Lord. And, and um, his wife is Filipino, and all uh, his family, extended family, Filipino family, they're the engineers that work with him there. So we always had a good time uh, talking with them there when we'd go in about uh, issues concerning engineering. And we came to the need for all of these earthquake braces, you know, and I was uh, talking to Bruce about that. And, and he said, "Yeah, you know." And I said, "These are so expensive. These things, these measures that we have to do, and these beams across here are—they are, uh, go up into the ceiling. The, the ones there—they're iron beams, and they run up into the ceiling uh, deeper than you see them there. And and uh, they're all uh, secured with bracing and everything, and all kinds of earthquake braces. You, you know, as, as far as this building goes, as goes, far as earthquakes, you're probably safe in this building as any other one in, in Southern Cal." But I asked him about that, and, and he said, "You know." They have all these requirements for earthquake bracing and everything, but he said uh, he said pastor called me rever- he calls me reverend he says reverend, he says, reverend. He says reverend and I tried to correct him on that but he still calls me reverend so I told the Lord's the only one's a reverend you know so uh, uh, but he says reverend you know um, with all these um, with all these bracing all these regulations and all these rules uh, he said uh, the the um, I was he said I was involved with the uh, Inspections for the Northridge earthquake. Remember that in 1994. Some of you weren't born yet, but uh, North Northridge earthquake 1994 uh, was a 6.7 magnitude, and it had two right after it. One 11 seconds later, and one less than 24 hours later, two 6.0 aftershocks, and it was just a tremendous earthquake. We we that were living even out here felt it uh, pretty strongly uh, there, but it was epicenter it was, uh, was a was Northridge. There were 57 people that died in that, and there were 8,700 people that were injured in it. Uh, and that, at that era, they estimated about 30 billion dollars in property damage. And uh, by today's standard, that would be 50 or so billion uh, in property damage. And they said uh, some of that would be, you know, they'd never. Some would never recover from that. Um, he said, uh, Bruce said this to me. He said the the, uh, the buildings that we inspected, we saw a consistent failure in the earthquake bracing. And uh, I said, wow, really? And uh, so it doesn't, doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Huh? He, said, uh, he said this, he said, there are forces that we cannot engineer against. <laughs> so uh, uh, he understood that, you know, and, and uh, th- things shaken. Yeah, no matter how well we do, uh, things that are shaken, God's gonna shake them. So we need to place no confidence in these things that could be uh, shaken and put all our investment in the unshakable things. So let's uh, do that. Let's stand together, give an invitation. If you need to respond tonight uh, to the, at the uh, uh, altar, I want to encourage you to do that.